0: Hello everyone, my name is JT Wistercil and I'm excited to welcome you to another edition of the From the Stands Podcast on today's show. It's been a little bit since since I've been on the air, so I'm going to talk about a lot of the big action that's happened across the league. Going to go through all the teams in the NFL and talk about their free agency and just some of the moves they've made in the offseason, give them a grade, then shift to the NBA. Talk about the trade line, some of the bigger moves that were made along there. And uh, my final thing will be on Victor Oladipo. That'll be my big takeaway. It's just the whole weird situation that Houston made the original decision to trade for him. And then of course had to settle so badly and trade away. So I hope you'll stick around till the end for that. But we're starting in free agency, like I said, and the first thing we're gonna talk about is the Bills. I thought the Bills were big winners of free agency along the grabbing Lots of pieces, but first, let's start offensive line. Darrell Williams, John Felicio, both good contributors for them this past season. I think getting them back was huge there, getting some weapons to continue to add the guys Josh Allen can get the ball out to. Nice third running back in Matt Burita, who's had some success with the 49ers before. Emmanuel Sanders coming in and filling that third wide receiver role that John Brown had. Also, even Isaiah McKenzie. I thought he made some nice plays and flashes for them this past year. And how about the insurance policy of a Mitch Trubisky? I think Trubisky is a nice backup quarterback. Yes, he's not a starter and was a massive bust, but I still think he might be able to do some good things, especially with this talented supporting cast he has in bust. Buffalo. Also, on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in Levi Wallace. Nice move, bringing him back. A corner who played well for them last year. Matt Milano, too. their part, Terrell Edmonds, partner in crime at that linebacker spot. I thought that was another nice move for them, grabbing him. So, overall, I'm going to give the Bills... And A-minus, I just really liked what they did. And speaking of another team in the AFC East, I like what they did. How about the Dolphins? Jacoby Brissett, bringing him in. This is a team that needed to prioritize getting that backup quarterback, and that's what they're able to do. Also, take a little bit of a risk on a guy like Will Fuller. The whole PED thing is definitely a little scary, but with Will Fuller, when he's been healthy and not PED issues, when he's on the field, he's just an ex spectacularly explosive receiver, so I like that move there. Bringing over Adam Butler from the Patriots, a nice run-stuffing defensive tackle, like that move a lot too. They also traded the Texans, an interesting trade they had to bring in Bernardrick McKinney. McKinney's been a standout linebacker in the NFL for the past few seasons, so I thought that was a good move by them. So overall for the Dolphins, I'm probably going to give them a B-plus B overall. I think I would love to see him bring back Fitzpatrick, probably over Brissett, but I also understood why Fitzpatrick didn't want to come back and was going to make anything like that difficult. Next up, we got the Patriots, and this was, they, man, were they active. Cam Newton, they brought him back. I did like the move. I just don't think there was really an obvious upgrade available for them. Bringing back James White, especially on such a cheap deal, only $2 million was nice. Receivers on the outside, or just pass catchers on the outside in general. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, W. Smith, Aguilar take the top off the defense. Bourne's a really quality number three receiver who can do a little bit of everything. John is a freak athlete at tight end. Henry's a little bit more of a slot tight end, going to get a done over the middle, but just a wealth of riches of pass catchers. And even along the offensive line, bringing back David Andrews and a guy like Ted Krauss, who I didn't think that to get two centers like that I thought was a great move for them, bringing them in. Crass gives them great backup value. How about along that defensive line, too? They brought back Lawrence guy and Dietrich Wise. Wise is a guy I thought would break out for them a few seasons ago. Hasn't happened yet, but still a quality player. Devon Goodcheck from the Dolphins coming over to a great defensive tackle. I think he'll help them out, stuff in some more run defense. They wanted to upgrade their front seven, did that too by capitalizing on Henry Anderson being available. One of the more underrated defensive linemen in the NFL. And of course, the Crown jewel of this piece was Matthew Judon, who they got to bring over. Judon's totally a Patriot kind of player with all these disruptive things he was able to do. Also interested to see what Jalen Mills can do in the secondary. He signed a four-year, $24 million deal, and he's kind of flashed in moments. He's dealt with some injuries, but I think he could be fun. Next up, we got the Jets. I think the biggest thing that stands out for them was getting Sam Donald as number one receiver and Corey Davis. Now, I do think Denzel Mims can still be a special player, but obviously Davis, he's been really good this past year in Tennessee. I was the guy who's always been a fan of him, and I'm excited to see what he can continue to do. And of course, with a great defensive coach like Robert Sally, you're gonna hit the defense hard, and that's what this team did, bringing in Vinny Curry, Carl Lawson and Sheldon Rankins, with Lawson being the crown jewel of that piece, getting that edge rusher they've desperately needed for many years. And I think Rankins is going to surprise some people on the interior. Even value signings, LaMarcus Joyner, bringing back Marcus May, Jared Davis. I think the Jets did a great job in free agency. And for them, I'm going to give them an A too. I just really like their moves. Maybe they overpaid a little bit for a guy like Corey Davis. It's just a lot of money for a guy who's been a little inconsistent, but I'm okay with it. Moving on, to, we're going to shift to off the AFC East to the AFC North. And the first thing for the Ravens is I really like them bringing in Kevin Zeitler, the really good guard for the Giants and Browns these past few years. I think their interior of their offensive line was shaky last year, so good job by them upgrading it. Bringing in Sammy Watkins, too. Only a $6 million deal for a guy who's been productive these past few seasons in Kansas City when he's healthy. That's always the big issue. So I still like bringing over a proven target for your young quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Also, these were moves I wasn't as high on, but I still think they were smart moves for them. They've brought back Pernell McPhee and Titus Bowser. Both are solid players, but I just want to see a little more development out of both those guys because they did lose Ngakwe and Matthew Judon. So I just think those are things that hurt them a little bit. Bringing Derek Wolf back was nice too, but it's just they lost those edge guys, which is why I'm only going to give them a B- in free agency because of the losses, even though I did like some of their additions. Next up, we'll go to the Bengals. Bengals made a few moves. The ones I really like were along the defensive line. Larry Ogunjobi coming in there. I think that's a really nice move. He's been solid D tackle for the Browns. Mike Daniels had a pretty good year up there last year, so getting him back on a cheap deal was nice. And I think I think they overpaid for Trey Hendricks, but I still think Hendricks is a quality pass rusher and I think he'll do well up there. I just think when we look back, it's a lot of money, and they're banking on, they overpaid for a few guys, honestly. Shinobi Awuzue. I don't think he's worth the $21 million he got. He's a solid player, but I don't think he's anything special, and obviously Eli Apples had a lot of struggle in his career, so I was very surprised to see them go out and spend so much money on a guy like that, but it's it was an interesting move for them, and that's just what you do when you're the Bengals Sometime, I guess. They've had some interesting decisions, and now there's all these rumors about they're going to choose a wide receiver over an offensive lineman in the draft, which I think would just be a colossal mistake. Also, bringing in Riley Reef was a nice lateral move for them, but I hope he's their right tackle, and I hope they do draft a guy because he's just the definition of av- below average to average left tackle, if that's what they're really their plan is to protect Joe Burrow there. So I think that would be a massive mistake on the Bengals' part. Next up, we got the Browns. The Browns, they re-signed Rashad Higgins, so I thought that was a nice move. Took a little bit of a chance on Tack McKinley, which I was a fan of too. McKinley is kind of the guy busted for Atlanta, but it has got all the talents in the world to put it together. The crown jewel for the Browns was obviously John Johnson coming over from the Rams, one of the more underrated safeties in the league and was a part of almost every big season they had. So I thought that was another nice move. So They re-signed Cody Parker too. You got to give Cody credit. He was able to, a lot of guys, the mistake he made in Chicago, that missed kick, that ends their career. Cody had a pretty good solid year last year. So props to him for coming back to Malik Jackson also coming over to this team. He's the nice D tackle who's been with the Eagles last year. He hasn't been as good since he left Denver or that year in Jacksonville, but he's still a really quality player. So, I do still think that was a good move by them to bring him in and see what he can do opposite Miles Garrett and some of those guys. He'll play probably play a little bit more of a, as an interior pass rusher, but he's got the versatility to play all over. And hey, anytime you can add a former Super Bowl MVP and Malcolm Smith, you got to give a little credit too, right? Malcolm Smith of course of the the Seahawks. Surprise Super Bowl MVP when they won it that one year. Last team, in the AFC North, we got the Steelers, who, in typical Steelers fashion, really didn't do a lot. They did resign Juju. That was the one big move I got to give him credit for, but outside of that, it's just a lot of meh. Tyson Alu, Alu-, Alu he was really good for them. He got hurt in their run defense in general, kind of fell off, so that hurt him a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, even a guy like Zach Banner, you hope he can come in at tackle. They have not re-signed Villanueva, so I think they might be rely on him to take over that left tackle spot. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do through the draft because that's where they almost always hit the team-building aspect the hardest. Next up, let's go to the AFC South. And they the Texans were big spenders in free agency. I don't know if it's just, hey, we got to keep Deshaun Watson. and we're, That's a whole another situation, the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I'm not going to comment on that until I... We really know all the details because there's a lot of information out there right now, and it's just hard to know who to believe. But they made some interesting moves. The Texans bringing over Tyrod Taylor, the definition of a backup. I always like bringing in Mark Ingram, such a positive locker room guy, and hopefully he can have a good impact on the other running back they signed in Phillip Lindsay, who is still so young as an undrafted free agency. There's a little bit of concern about the wear and tear on him, but I still think he can be a special player. Chris Conley also comes over after a few after a season with the Jags, two seasons with the Jags. He's another productive, solid receiver, veteran guy who knows how to win on the outside. And then a worse version of that would be a Dante Moncrief, who they also. They also signed. They brought over Marcus Cannon in a trade with the Patriots, which Cannon, he's a solid right tackle, so continue to upgrade your protection there. Justin Britt coming back in, too. I think that was a nice move for them. He's been such a, a solid center in the NFL. Not the player he used to be, but can still contribute. And the other end of that Benardrick-McKinney trade we talked about earlier is Shaq Lawson, who was had a pretty solid year in Miami last year. So I think he can continue to get it done and give them some nice moments like that. And he'll definitely start for them and be that disruptive force they need and speaking of disruptive forces on the defense, I think that's what they're hoping Jordan Jenkins can be. The kind of guy who was like, he had to be the Jets' number one pass rusher, but he's nowhere near a number one. But he felt like maybe in a secondary or even as a backup pass rush situation guy could be even better. So that's one I'm excited to see. But man, they went crazy with their spending, the Texans did. And I don't love any of the moves. So I'm going to give them a B minus, I guess. They got some guys, but it's like, it almost felt like they were just spending the spend just to make Deshaun happy, like, see, we're trying to do these things, but when you really look at the moves, they're not that impressive, of course, the Colts, moving on to them, their next, their biggest thing was obviously trading for Wentz, but there's still some nice moves, getting Marlon Mack back on a two, on a one-year, two-million deal, that's great value there, repaid, overpaid a little for T.Y., but, hey, T.Y.'s the hometown guy, I totally understand that, and Kind of underwhelming for them, their offensive tackles. They brought in Julian Davenport and Sam Tevy. Neither of those guys are like, oh, left tackles, we're set there. I think they're better as backups, so we will be interesting to see how that goes. But I also like them re-signing Xavier Rhodes. Rhodes had a pretty good year last year. was He wasn't able to get back to that form he was in Minnesota, but still a nice player and I thought had a productive season over there. Next up for the Jags. The Jags, they signed C.J. Bethard, which I think everyone was kind of like, that's the backup you settle for. Alex Smith, all these other guys out there, and that's he you settle for. So, yeah, count me in the list of people that was definitely surprised by that one. Also, they signed some veteran receivers, Marvin Jones being the key of those guys. I've always liked his ability to win on the outside. Philip Dorsett was hurt last year in Seattle. Think he can still come over and do some things. Cam Robinson was a surprise franchise tag, but he's continued to get better, and you hope he can continue to make some nice plays too. Trading for Malcolm Brown was a nice move, I thought, by them. Bringing in the defensive tackle who can stuff the run is always a positive thing. Also, Roy Robert Harris, kind of the Bears guy, who's flashed in moments throughout his career there. I'm excited to see what he can do given a bigger role. And one of the moves I was not a fan of for this team is paying Gr- Shaquille Griffin so much. I-, I couldn't believe they chose him over William Jackson. That was one that really surprised me. And I think one they'll look back on as a mistake. So that's just my biggest knock for them is they spent so- too much money on Shaquille Griffin. So that'll be my one big negative, And because of that, I'm only going to give him a C plus. There's some underrated moves that could hit big, but that's the thing is the potential worth it. And that's what we'll wait and see. Next up, we got the Titans. The Titans lost a decent amount on the outside with Johnny Smith and Corey Davis, and they were at least able to bring in a guy like Josh Reynolds, who I've always been a fan of, so I think that's something that can help them, and Anthony Fer- Ferkser coming back. He was a solid tight end. Even a guy like Jeff Swain had his moments in Dallas, so they should still be fine at tight end. They One of my, I think the most underrated player in the league is Danico Autry, who was of the Titans these last few years and had, I believe it was like 30 sacks and Three seasons or something like that. So I love the value of the three-year deal, twenty-one million they gave him. I think he's a nice player and put him on, put him in the inside He'll play in the inside. But Dupree comes over in a huge contract on the outside, and I think that's also going to be a nice move for them. Is that a guy like Dupree who's so uber talented? Resigning linebacker Jalen Brown. He's a young guy who continues to grow and develop, and even some cornerbacks on the outside. Yes, they had to gut. They had to cut a lot of those guys, Malcolm Butler, some of those other guys, but you look at Janoris Jenkins and what he does on the outside, Kevin Johnson in at corner two, he's another productive, he's another solid guy there, so I think they did a pretty good job realizing we got to cut some ties, so let's sign some guys for cheap. Next up. We got the AFC West. So the West, we got the Broncos. We'll start out with them. Resigning Shelby Harris, I thought was a great move by them. I've always really been a fan of Harris's game as an interior guy who stuffs the run and everyone somehow kind of gets after the passer. And then the the big thing for Denver was, hey, we realize we got to keep up with the Chiefs and what the Chargers are kind of building too with these going attacking everyone through the air. So let's spend some money on some defense, and that's what they did, especially that secondary. Ronald Darby comes over on a three year deal and even a guy like Kyle Fuller comes over on a pretty cheap nine million deal after being surprisingly cut by the Bears in order for the Bears to sign Andy Dalton. And at the safeties, you bring Kareem Jackson back after releasing him. And Justin Simmons comes back too. You franchise-tagged him, and you finally give him the deal he deserves with that four-year, $61 million contract. So you got your number one corner in Fuller, who pairs back with his old teammate Bryce Callahan. So I think the Broncos are pretty good and set at corner. And then at safety, you have one of the better safety tandems in, tandems in the league, led by one of the three best, three, five best safeties in a Justin Simmons, who's just a phenomenal player. Now the Chiefs, they were also actually pretty active in free agency. They were not content with making the Super Bowl. Obviously, getting blown out, they wanted to upgrade what they thought were their weaknesses. So they went out and upgraded that offensive line. Bringing in Joe Thune was a nice move. Also, Austin Blythe, I loved that deal for them. Super cheap deal, veteran minimum. He was the guy who started for the Rams last year and gave you some good, gave them some great, gave them a great season. I thought. So I was surprised to see him go for. Oh, so low like that. That was just something that was interesting to me. They were able to re-sign DeMarcus Robinson again, getting that veteran presence in. And Tajay Sharp is always one of those guys who, I think he's the kind of guy who will catch like one fifty yard ball this year and be a big-time, make a big-time touchdown play, which is, uh, I think, always important to have a veteran who can get something like that done. They also re-signed Mike Remmers, who had an abysmal Super Bowl, which I very much so question that move. But it is what it is at this point, I guess. I just... I think they just were like, hey, at least he's a backup, like so just a name. But yeah, I was disappointed by that. I really loved, though, the signing of Jerron Reed for them. This is a guy who just two years ago had 10 sacks with Seattle. Duh. So to get him on that one-year $7 million I think is great value for an interior pass rusher like him. And re-signing Daniel Sorensen, who's kind of their Swiss Army knife safety linebacker, kind of do-it-all guy, was another nice touch for them. Now we got the last team, the AFC, in the Raiders. So for the Raiders, they they had a really weird free agency to me, because they had to release their offensive a bunch of offensive linemen, getting rid of Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, Incognito, but then they brought back Incognito, and it's always kind of hard to figure out what a, what a team's doing when you release. Their, the strength of this team is an offensive lineman, and they basically completely gutted it, which I thought was very interesting, but they still were able to help it out in general. Apparently, there's a guy inside the Raiders that they're very excited about his development, too, which I think why they felt Good about doing that. The Denzel Good is that is I think he's supposed to start for them at guard. They did bring in Nick Martin over from the from the Texans, who he's obviously a downgrade from Rodney Hudson, but a solid, fine center I think. Bringing over John Brown was a nice move. He's still a productive player. Not a huge fan of the kenyon Drake contract, two years, eleven million, but he he's a solid enough player where I still get why you want him in the building. The crown jewel for them was unique Ngakwe signing a two-year contract. And I think Ngakwe is a really nice player still and going to be able to add some positive things for them on the edge. And I'm excited to see what he can do settled into his home for a full year with the whole weird situation with the Jags then the Vikings only playing five games and still leading that team from sacks from a defensive end standpoint to Ravens giving him some production. I'm an Ngakwe fan and excited to see what he's going to do over there. And another guy with potential is Solomon Thomas. They signed him to a one-year deal worth up to five million. I think Thomas is another guy. If he gets, if things finally click and work out for them, that could be a great value signing for those Raiders. Just like even other moves on that defensive line, like Jonathan Hankins and Quinton Jefferson, the D tackles were too. I, I like the Raiders for agency. So them, I'll give them. Uh, I'll probably give them just a solid B, just because there's the and move's great, but they still gutted the offensive line. So hard to be too high on it in that regard. Still liked it, but can't love it. And last in the AFC, of the AFC teams, we have the Chargers. So the Chargers, they grab Chase Daniels, the career backup. There's been so much made about all the amount of money he's been able to make also signed tight end Jared Cook. I am a Cook. I am a Jared Cook fan. Yes, he had a rough, rough playoff game when he when Antoine Winfield knocked the ball out of his hands. I think he has always had a couple drops, but I think he's a nice replacement for Hunter Henry. Comes in at a lot cheaper too, so I did like that move. Crown jewel of their free agency was Corey Lindsley. He's been a nice player for these past few years. Arguably the best center in the league. So I did, I did appreciate that move. Getting the center position solved to help out your young quarterback. Even a guy like Matt Feeler gave the Steelers some solid production last year and I think can also help them out. And they didn't spend a lot on defense, but that's what the draft is for. And Brandon Staley has been able to work his magic with some of these young, unproven guys before like he did in the Rams this past year with what he did with guys like Darius Williams. And I give Williams a ton of credit for his development too, but just I think Staley, a lot. there's been rave reviews about what, um, what he's done so far. So that's going to do it for the AFC teams, and you know what? As I sit here and look at the time, I know I originally said I was going to go through all the teams, but I really want to talk about this NBA trade stuff. So instead of shifting over, I think I'm going to do the NFC next week. Do the NFC next week, and let's shift over and talk about those trades that what a crazy trade deadline it was for the NBA. So let's move off the NFL and into that NBA. And the first trade I want to start with is the Bucks acquiring P.J. Tucker. I thought this was a great move for Milwaukee, and I think the biggest reason I like it so much is because you can play Tucker as this small ball four, small ball five, and, or however do it. Your front court closing games will be Giannis and P.J. Tucker. Who you want them to guard? I don't know. But I think when, if you can take Brooke Lopez out of that like that, It just adds some quickness to their defense, a nice small ball lineup that's going to be almost impossible for teams to defend, and P.J. Tucker will be happy on the offensive end, spacing the floor for Giannis, sitting in the corner as he did for so much of his career down in Houston those last few years. And also, it just really didn't cost that much for them to get Tucker. All they had to do was give him DJ, D.J. Wilson and D.J. Augustine, who Augustine hadn't been the player they want, and they did give up a pick, but... I don't think it was that big of a deal. Another weird caveat of this trade was the Bucks traded Troy Craig to Phoenix for cash just to make the numbers work, I guess. I've always really liked Craig. I think he's the ideal three and D guy who can kind of play that two or the three guard for you. So I think that was a nice move by Phoenix, kind of sweeping in underratedly. But man, do I like this move for PJ Tucker and what he's going to bring, especially in that small ball atmosphere like that. So let's talk about the Nuggets, what they did. The Nuggets, I thought they did a great job bringing in JaVel McGee. It's funny, McGee used to play for them back in the day, but that was more during the Shackton era of McGee's career, so I think he's become a better player, and I think he's a interesting backup uh, for Jokic, but someone that provides some nice length, athleticism, and he'll come in and be this team's best rim protector. And all they had to give up with was Isaiah Hartinson, which honestly, I was thinking about this the other day, Isaiah Hartinson might be the worst player who actually plays in the NBA. I just I know Polachevsky for the Thunder's been awful this year, but whenever I watch Hartenson, I'm like, how does this guy keep landing on these teams and stuff? He's just not good. <laughs> he doesn't do give you much on offensively and gives you almost nothing on defensively, always looks lost. So that's that's a random rant. I am sure all of you expected to hear Isaiah Hartenson, me mention him on the podcast today, but either way so I like the move of getting McGee but of course McGee was not the prize they got in free agency that was Aaron Gordon and even a guy like Gary Clark I'll talk about Clark in a second but only giving up Gary Harris and RJ Hampton they did well they gave up a first round pick too but I think Gordon is the exactly the wing this team needed their offense is clicking and humming right now and they need a guy to come in and help shore up that defense and be able to at least try to hold guys like Kawhi LeBron Paul George in check a little bit because that was not something that Gary Harris is going to be able to do. So I really liked going out and grabbing Aaron Gordon. He's not going to be forced to do much on offense. He's going to be able maybe they run some screen and lobs type stuff, pick and roll type stuff for him. Let him shoot in the let him sit in the corner, just catch and shoot some threes. But the biggest thing is he he's a huge upgrade for them on defense. And even a guy like Gary Clark, I think could play for them. He was a guy a few years ago that gave some nice minutes to Houston in the playoffs. And we'll see if they they're going to call on him to be kind of that small forward to. I don't think it'll be the power forward because this team is loaded at the front court, with them, especially factoring in the McGee addition, but I really like the Aaron Gordon move for that defensive versatility I just highlighted. For the Magic's perspective, Gary Harris, I think, is a fine player, and they just did it to make the salaries work, but I do really like picking up RJ Hampton in a first-round pick. Hampton hasn't had a lot of time with Denver, but I think you continue to play him and let him develop, and he can be a nice player. And let's stick with the Magic because they are obviously involved in some other trades the first one i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the big one in a second but first i do want to talk about the evan fournier one they only gave up two second round picks and jeff teague they had just they ended up having to they ended up getting back those two second round picks for fournier and you were never going to get a first round pick for fournier at this point in his career so i understood the move in in that regard just to get rid of him it just was an end of an era and for boston i just like fournier i think it will be a nice six man for them provide some shooting, doesn't really help out your defense, but I still think there's a lot of positive things that Fournier provides and can still do at the NBA level, so I, I'm excited to see what he'll do there, and I think he'll add, help them score a little bit more and improve their depth, which has not been great this year. But returning to Orlando, how about the big move they made dealing Vucevic away? That was a name that definitely surprised me. I, I thought for a few years ago when they drafted Mobamba, it signaled the end of the Vucevic era, but instead Vooch played the best ball of his career, has been great these past few seasons, and now he gets shipped off to Chicago for Wendell Carter, Otto Porter Jr., and two first round picks. So it's going to be interesting to see with Chicago if they make the playoffs or not, but I like that Booch is this post up threat that they have. Isn't he He's the opposite of Laurie Markinen. They're both foreign European guys, but at the same time, Vuce is much more on the block. He can step out and shoot the threes, but you want him posting up. He's one of the best guys on the block in the NBA, hitting you with endless jump hooks. And he also, also a really good passer, which I think you can get Kobe White and Levine some more opportunities through that. And if they need him, Alfred Camino has been a nice veteran who's played in some big games for Portland before he was in Orlando. And for the Magic, I, I think Wendell Carter, it's kind of funny, he got him in. Him and Mo Bamba right now are kind of two of the guys that have, haven't have lived up to the expectations of that 2017 draft class, so it'll be interesting to see if they can come in here and turn their career around a little bit more, but I think Carter still does some nice things defensively. Just want to see continue to see that offensive game grow, and maybe that'll happen in Orlando. Also, Otto Porter should be a huge buyout candidate to me. I don't, I don't expect him to be with this team. If you can save some money, and if you're the Magic, you're trying to lose games and get in on one of these attractive picks, this is the year to rebuild if you're a crappy team because you can't let your fans in, so... I expect Otto Porter to be bought out, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, unfolds, but I just, I think if you're a contender, you're knocking on the door saying, hey, have you bought him out yet? Because uh, we are very interested in adding his services. Next up, let's go to the Celtics. This is another interesting one for the Celtics. Is They dealt Daniel Theis pretty much for Mo Wagner, just to stay under the cap. I really like Thice and the defensive versatility he brings. I think he's a really nice small ball five. He boxes out hard. He flops a lot, but he also he's a nice screen. He also rolls well to the basket, can stretch the floor when needed to. So just kind of one of those do-it-all guys that I like and was surprised to see them move off of. Next up, let's go to the Kings. They dealt Be- Nemil- Nemila Be- Belovic. You know, I know how to say his name, and now that I'm looking at it on my notes, I realize I have no idea. I th- I think I have no idea how to say his name. I'm a Timberwolves fan, so I used to watch him play. Name a uh, Bielitsa. That's right, it's Bielitsa. He was a former Timberwolves that's been on the Kings the past few years. He's a nice forward, though, off the bench. I think that could play next to Bam. I like the way he compliments him, his shooting. He's always seemed like one of those guys who could play in the big-time games and step up. And all they had to give up was Mo Harglis and Chris Silva, two guys who weren't really playing for them this year. Silva's still really young, but Harkless was kind of dis- a disappointment there and not what I know at least I expected him to be. Next up, let's go to the Raptors. The, and not the one of the Raptors guards got one of the Raptors players got moved. I think in today's era you can't call. Him Nor- I don't know if Norman Powell is really a guard. He's always he's kind of played the small forward for them. But he when he came into the NBA he was a shooting guard. So I still think of him as that. But the Raptors traded away Norman Powell for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood, and I think. Powell was going to be a free agent. They were going to lose him for nothing. So why not get a guy like Trent, who's still pretty young and ascending? And Trent's been a nice 3-and-D player this year. And then Powell's obviously been even better than that with what he's been able to do, averaging almost 20 points per game, versatility on both ends of the floor. So I really like him. And I I always love seeing who Portland adds to surround Dame because obviously Dame is such an exciting show and an exciting player to watch. So that'll be really interesting to see how that whole... Situation unfolds there. And speaking of things that are going to be interesting, how about Rondo to the Clippers and Lemon Pepper Lou going back to Atlanta? Interested to see how Lou does in his six man of the year type role that he's going to be entering in. But man, I just, I, it's going to be weird to see Rondo in a Clippers uniform that's just going to be really strange to me and I I like playoff Rondo and think he gives them a veteran point guard they can bring in off the bench and I mean hey if you get playoff Rondo you're getting a really good player because that was the third best player on that Lakers championship team last year so I think it can be a nice move for the Clippers and I'm, I'm interested to see how Rondo works out as he's had issues in the past with coaches but I think Tyron Lue and him are going to be able to work pretty well together. Also, this would be the last trade before the big one I kind of referenced early on in this podcast was uh, Dallas. They got J.J. Redick and Nico Melli. I've always been a Melli fan for James Johnson and Wes Indelieu. Melli, he's kind of this big white guy who just kind of a foreign dude who can hit some threes, doesn't offer you much on defense. And it's kind of like if Maxi Kleber played no defense, even though Kleber might be a little bit better of a shooter too. But getting J.J. Redick. I think is huge. Just more spacing for Luka. So much of what Luka operates and does out of that pick and roll is being able to, hey, if the defense is kick it kicking out to knock down shooters. And that's what Redick's going to be. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do there. The whole Redick thing is very interesting. He's talked about it on his podcast a little bit, how he demanded a trade like to start the year because he wanted to be closer to his family. And they just kind of, David Griffin, their GM, just kind of really didn't do anything. He just kind of sat there and I feel bad for Reddick that he had to go through that a little bit. And it's just one of the tough parts about the NBA business. But I'm excited to see what he can do playing with a player of uh, Lucas caliber. So that'll be exciting to watch how that unfolds. And the last big trade of the day was the one that happened right at the deadline. And you know what? Actually, I should mention this though. The one that didn't happen was Kyle Lowry. I was very stunned not to see Lowry get moved. Just It just seemed like it was over. The goodbyes, that whole saga, them talking Nick Nurse, he'll be the greatest Raptor ever. It just seemed like a goodbye thing. And they're like, hey, you know what? We didn't get good enough value for him. We're not going to trade him, which if you're going to resign him, I get. If you're not going to resign him, I think it'll look back on it poorly. But when a guy who means so much to your team like that, you want to let him finish out the year, I won't fault him too much. But I'm sure a lot of contending teams would have loved to add Kyle Lowry, especially the Sixers, who end up settling for George Hill, who's still a really nice player, but nowhere near the caliber of Guy Lowry is in the postseason and playoffs. Hill won't even start for them. He'll just give them solid minutes coming off the bench, versus Lowry, obviously, would have came in there and been a, been a big-time starter. And Also, two guys on the buyout market we'll talk about before, that, uh, the, before the big takeaway trade is Andre Drummond of the Lakers. I was stunned. Happy he didn't go to the Nets, so that's for sure. Although they did add LaMarcus Aldridge and Aldridge. It'll be interesting to see how the minutes he plays, but I still think he's going to give them something on offense. And if they always need to add a little more on defense, they can just put in Nick Claxton. So just another guy who's ring chasing before he gets maybe one more contract or maybe he wants to retire. He's been in the league a long time, that is for sure. Also, the other, the other going back to the drumming bot, though, I was surprised he didn't choose Boston. That one made a lot of sense to me, even some of those other teams like Charlotte, but I think he really wants to win a ring. I, I don't know if he'll play in closing time for the Lakers. I, I like Drummond, but their best lineups with Anthony Davis at the five because of the defensive versatility, to be able to switch one through five and the rim protector that Davis is. So, But Drummond, he's one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Solid post-up guy, solid lob threat. He hurt his toe in last night's game, so we'll see how long that keeps him out for. But I still think he's going to be, I think I saw it was only a couple games, but I still think Drummond can be a nice player for this team, and I'm very interested to see how that whole Saga unfolds, and one thing that's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds is this whole DeMarcus Cousins to the Clippers thing. It sounds like it's going to happen. Uh, I think he's better than Zubox, so we'll see if he plays there. I think Serge, what he adds defensively and as a rim protector, is more valuable to this team than what Cousins can as a scorer, so that's another one that'll be interesting to see, just the weird fit of Cousins, but man, if that Clippers team could turn the clock back with Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins, now that would be... A terrifying thought, too. It will be weird not seeing Lou Williams in a Clippers jersey because he's just been there for so long since the Chris Paul trade to, from Houston, which also feels like forever ago. So crazy how time passes, sometimes slowly and sometimes super quick in sports in general. But lastly, let's get to that big takeaway, and that is the Houston Rockets traded Victor Oladipo right at the deadline for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk. And a, and a draft pick and a, the rights to swap draft picks in 2022. So I assume that's a first round draft pick. Or honestly, if it doesn't say first, it could, I mean, obviously it could be a second too. So it's, it's kind of hard going off these notes that I've prepped right here. But so the whole, my whole big issue is this, they, they totally blundered this. They could have had Jared Allen, who apparently they didn't view as a great long-term fit next to Christian Wood. But even if you brought him in, you could have, you didn't have to be forced to trade him for such a crappy asset like you did with Oladipo. And, of course, the big one's Lavert Levert. He, Levert's under contract for three more years. I think he fits very well as the two-guard on this team next to John Wall, who they're going to be stuck with John Wall for a while. They've been spiraling out of control for a while. The Rockets had to, so even though Levert was missing some games, I still think just having a young, proven player under contract like that is a big luxury and one they just simply just seem to not care about, which is... Really strange, the whole thing, why they're just like, yeah, we'll take Oladipo on him. And it's like, you know, he could leave for nothing, but no, 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 we'll get him to resign, or we'll be able to flip him for more value. But obviously he chose not to not to resign. They offered him a two-year, I think as much money as they could, and he turned it down because he was desperate to get to Miami. We've been talking about Oladipo in Miami for what feels like the past four or five years. So and it's just crazy that they had to settle. I mean, this badly for a guy that they could have, when they could have had these other guys to have to settle this badly. It's truly a horrible job by... Their general manager, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but it is a massive blunder, and I'm I'm excited. It's a low risk. You don't know how Olenek losing him hurts a little bit, I guess, but you get Bialica for that reason to replace him. Bradley, I don't know if he was going to play in the postseason. And honestly, Victor Oladipo is an upgrade to Avery Bradley. I mean, the big thing with Bradley is his defense, and you get a younger, better defender in Oladipo, who when he was last healthy for a full year, led the NBA in steals. So I'm I'm excited to see how he looks in Miami. I think he's going to end up starting, and I think he's going to be one of their better players. Between one of him or Tyler Hero, you assume one of those guys will have a have like one will be on and one will be off in the playoffs. So that's something that'll just be nice for them to add. So the I'm excited to see Oladipo in Houston, in Miami. But the big takeaway for me is just how badly Houston blundered this. And I think always take the guy who's under contract versus the maybe. I mean, if. I mean, I don't even think Oladipo is a better player with the injuries and everything. So I just said it's just hard to understand why they did this. But I would take the young asset under contract. That's just me, and I think Houston should have too. But what can you do? righty. So on next ep- next week's episode, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna finish up the NFC team grades, go through all of them. I definitely did not budget my time well in that regard. So we'll definitely hit that next week, and I'll hit on a couple more things in the NBA, as it's always an exciting league to talk about. But thank you guys as always for listening, and signing off.